0: Welcome to the Two Brothers, One Dad, Dead podcast. Today we're going to talk about Woke Bill. He was a hardcore Reaganite. Casual racist in the '80s, and at the end of his life, he was going to protests and handing out pro-union literature in Spanish to uh, the local roofers. He was what we would call these days a social justice warrior, and very proud of it. So, Jay Bear, let's talk about how he used to be. I mean, would you do you think casual racist is accurate, or how would you describe him? Because I think it's important that people understand just how far he came.
1: I think casual racist is probably pretty accurate. Um, You know, I think like most racists, he wouldn't call himself one. You know, he would say that he had black friends, um, Hispanic friends, but there would be moments where he would let it be known, sort of his true thoughts on it, or at least sort of like another side of how he saw racial things that would definitely be considered racist. What do you think? I think that's true. I mean, he would even say like, oh, yeah, I have black friends. Like he basically
0: said all the cliches that racist. He's like, oh, I have black friends. Just, you know, most of them are N-words, but there's some good ones. And even my black friends will say that they wish, you know, the N-words. And he would use mm -hmm. the thing like the welfare queen, which was like this big boogeyman in the 80s, like – He's like, you know, they're just being paid to sit there and have babies. And it's like, uh, are they really? And and, and maybe they are. I, I don't know. But I remember that one of the most shocking things for me is he'd said something, you know, this is like 85, 86. That was, you know, something about black people. And I think you and I both both were like, uh, what? No, that's not true. And then. Somehow I found out that the next more that was that, that like pretty much upset him the, what we had said and then he told the guard at work he's like oh yeah I have a couple end lovers for sons but what can I do about it and do you remember that I do yeah that was pretty shocking what, it was what did we what did we say do you remember that made him I think it was that just made kind of, us push back
1: yeah I think it was just kind of like a basic level of just sort of like pushing back a little bit or kind of like telling him, like, no, that's not right. You know, I don't yeah. think, like, we went over the top or anything or got all social justice on him. We were just like, no, you know, that's that's not right. And that turned into what you said, that he told the guard at work.
0: Right. And then because we weren't, you know, whatever, I, I just think, like, you know, growing up in Cleveland, I remember in the second grade, I was pretty much the only white kid at an all-black school And so it's not like we were, you know, quote unquote, super woke or anything, but I think our general, I mean, how would you describe our general attitude back then uh, on race?
1: No, I would agree. I, you know, I wasn't super woke for sure, but I, I was pretty, pretty accepting. I mean, I think we both grew up in multiracial schools. Um, so we're exposed to it and didn't really have any issues with, you know, minority kids or whatever. And do you think he would have
0: been a tr- uh, Trump Republican if, if he had been alive? I mean, if he hadn't changed course, do you think he would have been a Trump Republican?
1: I think there's a good chance, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you think was at the root of his casual racism back then?
1: Well, I was going to say, I don't know if he ever told you this or anything, but it was right around that time and he mm-hmm. told me I forget how it came up but somehow we were talking about racial issues or whatever and his dad, our grandpa, at a factory he worked at I think, had an experience with a black coworker who did something like it wasn't quite an accident like there was some like malice in it in which it hurt grandpa physically oh. and grandpa sort of harbored a resentment and so the way dad told it to me was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of a uh, um evolutionary trait where like if some species hurts you to always be wary of them. So I think at least at that point he kind of looked at it like that a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I remember he was kind of big into the whole I wouldn't say big into genetics, but he would say like eugenics. You know, uh, no, genetics or eugenics, but he would say like, you know, How can you have, you know, when talking about bringing democracy to Africa or whatever, he'd be like, how can you bring democracy to a people who, like, you know, are so tribalistic and so Mm -hmm. whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, basically, he was like, oh, no, those people don't know enough to govern themselves.
1: Right. That they're too primitive or whatever.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because, like, racist people are all into, I don't know, like, I don't want to say gene theory, but into, like, oh, the genetics of being different colors and all this stuff. But but one thing I feel like he got right was the pain of the working class. And that's the one thing that Trump got right. I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. watching the news with dad and the day NAFTA was passed, he said, son, this I am the last generation where working class does not mean working poor. And you know what? He was right. Yeah. And it's true, and it's a national shame that you can't be a factory worker these days and send your kids to school and have a nice little modest house. Mm -hmm. So what do you think – so so he was a racist who didn't really put a lot of energy into his racism, a casual racist, because I even remember he said something once to me like, oh, yeah, like I would join the Klan except they're all so stupid or something like that. And I know he – he had a friend who got into the whole white supremacy thing, and he he was basically like, those people are so dumb. So I, I don't quite understand how he could think those people were dumb, but he had it figured out.
1: Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. So maybe he was sort of like an a la carte racist. Like he would kind of pick and choose what aspects of it he would buy into, but not – Go whole hog because they were dumb, like you were saying, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, I think another thing that he said about racists, which I don't understand how he could be racist, but then think this about racists. He said, yeah, you know what, son? Like, no matter how low people are on the economic or social ladder, they'll always find someone low. They'll they'll be okay with it as long as they can feel like they're kicking the person down below them, which it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, you're right. So then, how could you be one of those people who feels okay by kicking the person below them but then criticize the people who kick the person below them quote unquote below them in his mind
1: yeah you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. yeah no it's it's weird
0: so how did he like shed these beliefs?
1: Well, it corresponded with right around the time of his retirement um okay, I had a friend over, a couple casual friends from this um, nonprofit activist group, Food Not Bombs, where their whole mission is like, you know, feeding the homeless directly, you know, bypassing churches or other social organizations that would try to indoctrinate people. And they came over to the house one time to pick up some supplies. And dad was, you know, he was a pretty friendly guy and he would be talking to them. And sort of like asking what they were doing, asking what Food Not Bombs was about. So they gave him some like informational flyers or whatever. And then it seemed like pretty quickly after that, he was going around B where they were and protesting different things like um, immigrant labor rights and things like that. It seemed to happen pretty quickly from what I remember.
0: Do you think it's just... He found a social group and he kind of went along with them? Or do, do you think he had an awakening?
1: You know, that's something I've wondered about a lot. I think it was like he was leaving this job, so that was a big change. And he might have felt like he needed some new social circle or whatever to be in. So that was probably part of it. And I think he probably did have an awakening, but I don't think it was whole hog at first. You know, I think he just kind of put his toes in the water gradually and then became more into it. Right. Do you think his
0: first protest for like immigrant rights or whatever, do you think he... Like, do you think he dealt with cognitive, not even cognitive dissonance, but like, wow, this is crazy. I used to think these kind of people protesting this stuff were giving our country away. And now here I am doing it. Or do you just think he was kind of just kind of going with it? Didn't no, really think.
1: I think about he was it. just kind of going with it.
0: Do you think dad was a, a reflective or a self-aware person? Because this is something I think about a lot because he was so smart in so many ways But then in some other ways, like we've talked about in other episodes, like going to people's houses and basically trashing their houses and then feeling like they weren't the good friend because they asked him to leave. I mean, do you, what
1: do you think? I don't know. That's a really good question. I think if you look at certain aspects of his life, like what you said, and even like getting into political activism, I think it would be kind of easy to say no like maybe he was self-aware in some other ways. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Well, you know, I when we went camping once, somehow I kind of brought it up or asked him about like, wow, dad, this is a huge change. Like what happened? And he said, you know, son, I was so unhappy working at the factory. Anyway, I mean, which is very true. Like he kind mm-hmm. of hated the factory life. Oh, yeah. He hated his bosses. I think a lot of his family, criticisms of working at a factory, like very much planted the seeds of like, you know, workers rights and how workers are usually exploited by, you know, like the capitalists. I mean, so I think a lot of that stuff was there, but then I don't understand if like being a factory worker, how, and being a, you know, a a proud, happy union member, I believe, because he would even say like, oh yeah, we used to have a great union and all that stuff wasn't he pro union at one point but then, no, but then at one Reagan point. broke but then yeah. Reagan broke up the unions yeah I, I don't understand yeah oh so anyway what i was saying was so he said something like you know i was so unhappy at the factory that i was just kind of like lashing out and just unhappy in general he said but then when i retired i had time to think about things mm. and i realized that it's not just like the working class that is unjustly treated, but it's, it's women, it's people of color, Mm -hmm. things like, so that was his kind of like, you know, I was being ground down. So kind of out of reaction, I ground down the people who weren't like me around me. I mean, he didn't actively grind down, but you you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's
1: Um, interesting. he,
0: He was still part of the problem. So that's, that's what he told me. I mean, what do you think of that?
1: I think it makes sense. So in other words, he was kind of blame, or not? Yeah, kind of blaming, being unhappy at work for acting out. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think and, that's possible. And then, did he talk to his friends? Because I remember when he died, I told some of his friends, uh, some of his anarchist friends, about how he, you know, used to be very Republican and you know, casually racist, and they seemed surprised, which surprised me. Do you know Mm -hmm. anything about that? Like, did they know that he was basically, you know, a hardcore Reaganite and was basically, you know, a hardcore Trumpist, like just waiting for Trump to come along?
1: Yeah, I don't think they knew. I actually asked him about that once, if he ever told his new anarchist friends about his past. And he just said something like, no, sort of like they don't need to know. The past is the past. Although there was one guy here in Tempe who after dad dad I was talking to him and Dean. he go ahead
0: was it Dean that no, that really cool guy Dean or no
1: No it wasn't Dean okay. Drew he okay. owns like a um the comic shop on Ash here in Tempe Okay and anyway I was talking to him about that and he didn't really have like much awareness about it but he did tell me there were a couple times where dad would say something kind of racially off color and that they would have to be like, you know, Bill, you can't really say that anymore. So he would noticed like a teeny vestige of that. Right. Then do you think,
0: uh, you had told me once that sometimes when he had a few sips of Smirnoff, he would kind of say some things. Can you like tell me about that? Because I don't, I never really saw that.
1: So yeah, when he would get a little bit tipsy, the one thing in particular, or the one issue in particular was when he would get a little bit tipsy, He would say things about Muslims, actually. Okay. And nothing that extreme, but he would just sort of look at them more... um, I don't know if analytical is the right word, but he would be like, yeah, you know, I know not all Muslims are terrorists. Most are good people. But, you know, they are the ones who blow up things. Like, they are the ones who... If you leave their religion, a lot of them think that you should be killed. You know, he just sort of like a little more harshly than I think his friends at the time would have liked, you know what I mean?
0: Right. So sort
1: of analytical, looking at some of the bad aspects, I guess you would put it.
0: Right. But you know, I just remembered even during the 80s, like when I first moved out there, he showed me some notes. So he kind of had this dream project that he never did, but it was to write a history of anti-Semitism. Like he even had like a working title for it, like anti semitism a history from Caesar to the modern day. Mm -hmm. And he he never. So, yeah, he was just a guy with a lot of contradictions. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about. Do you think dad reached his full potential? In what way? Well, you know, he wanted to, because I even said like, oh, dad, you should write a book. You know, you should write it. And he's like, oh, they won't take a book from just like a common guy like me. And I said, well, why don't you go to college? You know, like once you retire, why don't you go to college? He's like, oh, whatever, whatever. And I mean, he was also, you know, which makes sense for the Reaganite slash, you know, would be Trumpist. He was. He had a little bit of an anti, as much of an intellectual as he was, he had a little bit of an anti-intellectual streak in him. Like, oh, I don't want to be one of those like thin necked college guys kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember at his funeral, I was thinking a lot about, you know, in his last couple weeks, he wasn't himself like at all. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, and Having had, you know, I had a two and a half year old girl at the time and my son was still, you know, in utero. And I had, and I thought a lot, especially after he died about how it takes us, you know, even after we're born, it takes us a little while to become ourselves. And then towards the end of our life, the reverse happens. Then we stop, we kind of fade into our full true selves and we fade out of our full true selves. And I just wonder, do you think dad and I, I personally think he did, especially towards the end of his life. And maybe I you know, maybe I have to, but I think he did kind of become his fullest, truest self given the circumstances. But what do you think?
1: Do, are you talking in terms of his
0: activism? His activism and just his you know, I feel like toward the end of his life he through acts made up for a lot of his thoughts like he would help people of all different you know all his like he was always a helping hand he was always you know willing to listen willing to help willing to you know even when he couldn't do marches anymore he would ride along with his little video cassette player and on his electric scooter thingy his electric wheelchair and videotape and he would basically be like I think he called it like hop watch or something like that
1: like so if
0: somebody got arrested he would videotape the arrest and all that stuff So I feel like he threw himself wholeheartedly into what he believed
1: at the time. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. And in terms of earlier than that, I think you're also right. Like, had he gone to college and done whatever, he probably would have been a lot happier. Yeah. And had he traveled or done all those other things he was talking
0: about. Which I wonder if that was a lot of it, like. Because, I mean, he was a really smart guy, really well-read. Mm-hmm. But I, So I can understand, on the one hand, his feelings of, you know, resentment against the powers that be. And I think he felt like, uh, I don't know, that somehow he didn't get a fair shake, whereas other people were getting, like, handouts and hand-ups and all this sort of thing. But what I don't understand is why didn't he – why didn't he take advantage then? Like, okay, then go to school. Do you know what I mean? Like he he knew he was in a box. He knew his potential had been limited. But in a lot of ways, I don't think he realized that his potential was most limited by himself.
1: Well, yeah, and he – told me that like later in life or at least once he started working why he didn't go to college why was and you know this may be true I don't really know but the financial aspect he's like you know I had two boys that I had to support I wasn't making like tons of money I don't really see how I could have done that
0: yeah And I actually understand that. Like, I remember I remember when NAFTA, you know, when we were watching the news and he said, like, okay, well, I'm I'm the last generation of working class. It's going to be able to have like basically a middle class life. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, well, go to school and learn computers or something like that. And I almost wish I mean, I do wish he was around for a lot of reasons, but I wish he was around so I could say, you know what? That's the kind of thing a young person says, because now that I'm in my late 40s, now that I have two kids, even though I have, you know, a much better job than he had, I couldn't just stop and go to grad school for two years. Yeah, right. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that's very easy for young people to be like, well, just, you know, go to college, get a new job. It's not that easy. And then who's going to pay the bills in the meantime? Exactly. Why do you think he didn't? Because you would think he would tell, like, in a way, you know, everybody loves – you know, the the prodigal son who returns home. Like, he would have gotten more credit mm-hmm. from his, you know, anarchist and activist friends if he would have said, like, oh, yeah, you know, I understand why these people are like this. It's because of resentment and just lashing out. And you know what I mean? Like, he would have gotten more credit for being honest about his past. Why do you think he wasn't honest
1: about his past? Dude, that's something I've always wondered about. Um, I don't know if he was truly embarrassed by his past or... And I don't know why, but what I lean more towards is that he thought that these people may have actually would have judged him harshly. Yeah and may have shunned him a little bit. Which, you know, wouldn't be good, but I can kind of see why he might think that. I can actually see that too,
0: because I also think that the crowd he was with and you know, I mean I like a lot of the people. No, me too. But, you know, as you and I have talked about before, sometimes the far left and the far right share more characteristics than they'd like to think. Right. And I think this, like, ideological purity is one of those things. Like, oh, wait, what
1: started on that? Yeah.
0: You you, you haven't always been like this. Like, oh, well, then you don't pass the test. I mean, so maybe he was right to think that. But but honest. Yeah. Cancel. Exactly. (laughs) But I do. And didn't you say once that there was a friend of his that when he was drunk, he was saying he said some stuff because he told me like, oh, yeah, I said some stuff in my cups. And then this one guy started telling everybody else about it. Do you know about this? I don't think
1: I know about this.
0: You know, that really tall guy you were friends with and he had that girlfriend and they would come over to your house sometimes. Eric and Shelley, Yeah. Yeah, so that guy, and I guess Dad said some stuff, and then Eric went around because I was like, because he says I'm like, oh screw that guy, and I was like, oh why? He said, oh you know, once I was in my cups and I made a few off color comments, and you know, then he had to go around telling everybody else. So maybe
1: uh, I don't remember that.
0: Yeah, so I wonder that, what
1: that comment was. I don't know, but yeah, I'm not and surprised knowing him, right? Knowing that Eric, guy. that guy,
0: yeah, and as. As far why because he was one of the ideal you know one of the purity test type people,
1: so very much so, which was kind of ironic because he used to be an actual Nazi. So go figure. Oh wow! No, I
0: remember because I did a story for the Phoenix New Times on straight edge, Mm -hmm. and I said I was basically straight edge, but I smoked cigars or something, and didn't him and his weren't didn't he like oh we should (laughs) we should slash his tires (laughs) yeah yeah first first no that's what they said yeah. How did you ridiculous. talk them out of that?
1: Dude, I I snapped at them. I was just beyond words, you know? It's like, you can't do that. Like, what the hell? And that was, like, the beginning of the end of our friendship. Ah, right. But, I, but as far as the being embarrassed, I actually do
0: wonder if that was a big part of it, too. Because... I remember, like, we would make, like, off-color jokes, and it wasn't, like, against anybody. Just he'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, my friend was showing me her lingerie that she just bought. And we're like, oh, your friend? And he's like, please don't sp-. Like, he was very sanctimonious, which also kind of, like, blew my mind. I was like, okay, Mr., like, saying things just to shock people, because he was, like, like, he would say like the most awful things just to get a rise out of us about, you know, people of color, women or whatever. And then I was like, wait, we're making one like not even off color. Like I would have made that jo- if he would have said that in front of that girl, I would have said that in front of him, like in front of her. So it wasn't even it was I would have been like, oh, friends. Oh, you guys are friends. OK, <laughs> like that's as far as it went. Yeah. he yeah, got yeah. so offended. Do you remember that? I do. That was really weird. Did you see any other like sanctimonious things like that? I wonder if that sanctimoniousness was a kind of just react defense mechanism. Like, oh, no, no, we're not even going to go there. Like, do you know?
1: Yeah, not really. I made another comment, which I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along those lines about her later. Yeah. And yeah, he's just like, that's not funny, son. That's not funny. And Alan, I think, was even there and was like, oh, I think that's funny. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's important, too, that people understand that, I mean, as as big as this conversion was, you know, I always say that dad's greatest gift to me, or I should say his last gift to me as a father was dying so slowly because it gave us a lot of time to wrap our heads around it. And it was, like, not great when it happened, but... Mm-hmm. Do you know, like I have a friend who recently lost her father all of a sudden and it's like, man, that's a whole nother ballgame. you don't have the time to like say goodbye and wrap your head around it. But his second greatest gift to me in a lot of ways as a father and as a person was he was a dude who changed. Like, I feel like we got to give the man credit. Like, you know, we can have some little criticisms here and there, but like he was a dude who was like willing to like
1: make really big changes. I mean, what do you think of that? I think, yeah, it's pretty obvious, like, with what we're talking about. um...
0: What were some of the other big changes you think he made in his life? Because he had a lot of different, I mean, he grew up in Phoenix in the 50s and early 60s. And when he was three and four years old, he would take the bus by himself because it was such a small town. They'd be like, oh, Billy, you're going to the library today.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah.
0: Okay, sit right here where I can see you. And then he'd be like, okay, get off the bus here. I'm going to watch you walk into the library. You know what I mean? It was like total small town America. Then he lived in a cave by himself for like almost a year mining gold. And then I don't know, I think after that he got into some kind of militia group where he was very anti-government and they would like put flyers up everywhere and then he got in trouble and arrested for that and supposedly it was just like a... I mean, that's like a whole nother story, but, and then he was just a working man. And then when I came out to live with him in Phoenix, I was amazed because I was used to kind of, you know, gruff, you know, factory worker looking dude. And there was this guy waiting for me when I got off the plane who had on like a red leather jacket, tucked in button down shirt. It was dad and was like wearing loafers. And I was like, dad, he's like, yeah, hi son. And. We walked outside and we walked up to this like white sports car, this white little Fiero. And, you know, we're coming from like living in a family that didn't even have a car, let alone like a cool little, which, you know, 13 year old me thought that was the coolest damn thing in the world. I was like, is this yours? And he laughed. He's like, no, I'm stealing it. So dad went through a lot of changes. um, Mm -hmm. But do you think any was as dramatic as his like his race, racist self to his woke self? And what do you think?
1: I think that probably was the most dramatic, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, another dramatic change, but we already talked about it on another episode, was just his whole hygiene thing. But this takes the cake, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, the hygiene went from okay to worse, which I think is pretty typical for especially, like, single men. Like, there's a lot of stories of... Dudes living by themselves and they just gradually let themselves go. And it's probably true for women. So what else?
1: So um, I had a question for you. Sure. Why do you think that instead of just going from racist to all that social justice warrior, why do you think it was so extreme? Like he could have been sort of a quiet activist, but instead he went like whole hog. You know,
0: it's funny. I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, Why? Because the question kind of is like, why when dad did something, did he do it so intensely? To the extreme. Yeah. To the extreme. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I was interviewing this guy, Shane Snow, who wrote this like great book about kind of how teams work. And I said something like, like I used to say that I have a little bit of an addictive personality But I don't say that anymore because I realize that kind of like with superheroes, my weakness is also my strength. So when I get into something, I get into it like full tilt and I tend to get pretty decent at it because like I'm just not a halfway kind of guy. You know, and honestly, I think that's how dad was. He just wasn't a halfway kind of guy. Like if he was into something, he would explore it and get into it. And I think that's why, honestly, I, I think because he was not a man who, you know, as Mike Ehrmantraut on Breaking Bad would say, he was not a man who believed in half measures. Yeah, you no, know, and I, I think you're right. And then bringing that back to the addictive personality, you know, uh, you know, as 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 you know, when Dad drank when we were growing up, he you know he didn't drink often; he would drink. Once in a great while, but would go on these massive benders yeah. like he wasn't like when I drank, I was like, you know, a daily drinker. But never you know, I had friends who when I decided to give up drinking for a little bit, were like, but we've never really seen you drunk. And I think that was partly a reaction to the way dad drank because he was sober most of the time. But when he drank, he was sloshed, like, oh, yeah. you know, passed out on the front porch, passed out in the bathroom, passed out on the floor, passed out on the toilet, whatever. I just think that was his, his no half measures was his weakness, but when he used it for good, it was also his strength. I mean, it really mm-hmm. goes to the superhero. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, your strength is also your weakness if you let it be, and your weakness is your strength if you let it be.
1: Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: were you? I, what do you, go no, what, what, what do you think? Why do you think he didn't just do it halfway
1: Well, that was what I was going to say. I just kind of wondered if maybe you had a different insight. But I think you're right.
0: And I also think that, you know, whereas he was a casual racist, you know, like he was a racist kind of like, I don't want to say by default when he was younger. But I also think like being retired and having all this time on his hands, he could go to every single protest, every single meeting, every Mm -hmm. single Food, not bombs but i mean i do find it interesting that you know whereas you were doing like you know kind of quietly just trying to make the world a better place dad kind of had to let everybody know what a great what a like woke dude he was i mean do you think that's un- do you think that's a little harsh or do you think that's fair
1: no i think that's totally fair i think you know people always talk about performative wokeness or performative whatever i think he was very much into that And, you know, I just had an interesting thought. So in the last few years of his life, when he drank, he actually was pretty, pretty moderate and he didn't really get drunk a lot. And so that got me to thinking about what we talked about earlier in our discussion about how his job made him so unhappy. So I'm just thinking like that's another aspect of his life that he acted out because of his unhappiness.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the truth or as much truth as he or I will ever get. Yeah, his job just made him so unhappy. And that when he did drink when he was retired, like he was able to not get sloshed Mm -hmm. and fall down drunk. So And he
1: was able to not be racist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was able to not be racist.
1: So this is kind of a hypothetical, but if dad were still alive... And considering everything that's been going on with Corona and all the racial stuff, do you think he would still be a social justice warrior or do you think in a way he'd be so freaked out that he might actually have flipped to the other side?
0: Um, And maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that dad would have in many ways loved Trump, not as a supporter, but to be like. See, this is what I've been saying the whole time. Here's this rich guy who's saying he's going to solve all the working class problems, but he's basically just getting people to vote against their own interests. So no, honestly, I think Trump would have galvanized him further into activism, frankly. Okay. Do you not think and it's this go ahead.
1: No, I do mostly just part of me, a small part of me wonders just because he was kind of prone to like swinging around a lot. Yeah, I think I think by and large, you're right. Well,
0: it's funny, though, in this conversation, and you might not be wrong because you, you know, lived with him the last years of his life. But I'm picking up like so you do think that maybe his wokeness was, yes, overall from the heart, but maybe there was a little performative aspect to it. For sure. Yeah. And what makes you say that?
1: Because, well, it was so over the top and. You know, with the knowledge of his past, that would always be influencing what I thought about it. Right. And I guess maybe that's part of the reason I asked the question, like, if it was not 100% sincere, which I'm not saying it wasn't, but if it wasn't, then maybe he would have flipped back. Like, yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, we'll never know. Obviously, we'll never know.
0: I I honestly really don't think so. I just think that. I actually think if it wasn't for his former racism, he might have been more willing to be like quietly doing the right thing and not making such a big deal about it. But I think mm. his – what you see as his performativeness – and again, like I, you might be 100 percent right. But what you see as his performativeness, I see kind of as his repentance. Uh, Does that make sense? That makes sense, Yeah. So, you know, talking about the like dad believing in no half measures and, uh, you know, as I just explained, I think I inherited some of that. Do you think you inherited that or do you think you didn't quite? Do you you think you got maybe the other side of the family like, yeah, serious about stuff, but not like either zero or 100? Like, I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. Do you think first of all, do you think that I kind of inherited that like all or nothing thing that dad have had?
1: Yeah, it's funny when you were talking about that. That was my first thought that you had inherited it, but that I hadn't. Right. Yeah.
0: Because I mean, even my wife will tell you it's a little bit tiring on my side. Because, like, if I'm into something, I'm just like so mm-hmm. singularly focused, and I know that that kind of would annoy you a little bit. Like, oh yeah, not annoy you. <laughs> no, it uh, is annoy. annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on,
1: let's let's call it what it is.
0: Do you feel that that all or nothingness is more of a gift or a curse?
1: I think it depends on the person. For me, it would be a curse uh, just because I'm more of a laid-back, not as intense a person. But if that's who you are, I mean, I kind of think you've always been just kind of an intense person. Like, not right. in a bad way, but energetic and just really into things. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, that makes sense.
1: So, I mean, overall...
0: I'm proud that dad made that change. And like I said, I think it spoke to his character that he could admit he was wrong and make big changes. Do you feel like
1: that? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's I think it's good. Right. Obviously right. better than how he was, so.
0: For sure. And how he was was just so unhappy. Do you think he was happy towards the end of his life?
1: I don't think he was, like... Listful, but I think he was happier. Because Ellen said that
0: something that she loved about dad is that he seemed very grateful for everything. And I think there's a mm-hmm. big element of truth to that. Do, you, do I, you think so? I do too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was a complicated guy for sure. Definitely. So as a last question, do you think he would have gotten, you know, more into social justice eventually? Or was it meeting these people while he was kind of at a lonely spot in his life that got him into it
1: i'm not sure i don't think that if he hadn't met some group of people somewhere along the way that he would have i think you know maybe it would have happened a year later or whenever but i think that he needed that social connection to make it happen and And they were mm -hmm.
0: like a group of kind of outsiders too right because dad very much even when he was working saw himself as a little bit of an outsider and I think oh yeah that was part of it
1: yeah no doubt dad always thought of himself as a rebel right and here this other group of rebels comes along and it was just kind of the perfect storm
0: right do you
1: think he would have gotten into it on his own
0: you know again, maybe I'm being too generous, but i I do really I do think he kind of would have gotten into it on his own, yeah,, huh. especially if he were you know to your earlier question, especially if he were alive today, I think he very much would have been and you know maybe I'm wrong, yeah. maybe I'm wrong, but I think he very much would have been like, yeah, black lives matter i you know, I think he mm-hmm. just because <sighs> I do think he was really unhappy when he was casually racist or racist or whatever. And I do think that towards the end of his life, you know, as you said, he wasn't blissful, but I think he was happier mm-hmm. and more clear eyed. I think everybody underestimates how much pain and fear go into people's worldviews, especially when they have like negative or anti-anti-somebody worldviews. I, I, think, I think the emotional component of beliefs is super underestimated by everybody. And even people who have great beliefs, like, you know, our, our belief, you know, everything I believe, I probably underestimate my own mental state and my own just feelings. You know, we, we like to think that we're rational. I think that eventually we'll all, you know, a couple hundred years from now is like psychology and, you know, brain science advances. I think we'll all understand that, you know, we put a layer of rationality on top of what we feel to kind of mm-hmm. make ourselves feel better. So yeah, I do. I do think he would have
1: Well, then I have a question. So, sure. I get that like if he would have just been happier and after he quit or whatever his racism would have gone away, which I get. But so I guess my follow-up question would be then why wouldn't he just be like a quiet person like a lot of people out there who don't support racism you know are more or less socially aware go from that being kind of complacent I guess to like actually like doing activism like yeah he could have changed but maybe he just would have changed and had different views but not really done anything about it do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah but I do think he was such an all or nothing guy that one way or another he would have found like some way to get the outlets for that okay yeah personally all right well this is a good discussion thank you
1: yeah thanks
0: and thank you to our listeners for listening to another episode of the two brothers one dad dead podcast talk to you later jay bear see you rocky